We are very excited about today's show, but before we begin, we have Jesse Ledoux with our product feature of the week. Jesse, tell us like what you got for us. So anyone in the pageant industry, the beauty industry knows that a healthy glow on your skin is a must have. So the product that I want to share with our listeners this week is Bold Sunless. And Bold Sunless is a self-tanner and it's actually the official self-tanner of Miss USA, Miss Universe, Miss Teen USA since 2013. So they have been They've been around the block a few times in this industry. They know what it takes to have a nice, even, healthy-looking glow. Now, I've had my fair share of sunless tanners and selfless tanners <laughs> where, I mean, some of them come with mitts, you're rubbing it on, and then at the end of the day, it looks like you ran through a mud puddle because it's so streaky. So is that the same thing with this? Has that been your experience? Does it go on even? Do you have to be a pro kind of to even apply it? Give us the the details about that. Sure. So it has an instant tint to it. So you see where it's going. So I think there are some sunless products that are kind of a guessing game. It's a lotion or a spray and it's clear. And then you just kind of have to cross your fingers and hope for the best. That's so not the case. So it goes on instantly. So you have a bronze and it will develop over time. This is a spray. So the way I would do it is I spray it into the palm of my hand and then I apply it that way. Because sometimes when you can spray it directly on your body, you kind of never know where that mist is going to hit. So that way it's a little more controlled. And then I would wash my hands with soap immediately after because you want to protect your hands. You don't want to have it in your crevices and like your hands are naturally kind of pretty dry and rough in certain places, even though they don't necessarily feel that way. A lot of dead skin can accumulate. So I would say either a mitt or spray it right into your hand and goes on really nicely. It's made of tea tree oil and extract. So it's like very easy to smooth on. And I would say like have a good friend or um, someone else around you, your your spouse that can do your back or other hard to reach areas. But otherwise, it's pretty pretty foolproof. Well, I mean, outside of the obvious of the very first time you apply a self tanner should not be the day before or the day of your pageant. Um, after you've gone through, in essence, a training trial run, when do you suggest girls actually apply the self tanner? so that they get the optimum results. Well, you hit the nail on the head, Stephen. It's a trial run basis. So try it out well before your pageant. This is not something you want to experiment with. Gosh, a bad spray tan is like murderous, right? Yeah. So give it a try. Maybe it does look better once it's settled a couple days later or you a couple showers in. Or maybe it does look best right after it's done. So use that to judge, like to make your judgment. I mean, for me, I know that I look best the day after a spray tan. I think what's most important to keep in mind here is like, are you going to shave? When are you going to shave your legs? Or are you going to get what, your face waxing done? It's important to plan that around that spray tan. The spray tan should really be done uh, if you're going to get waxed at least two days afterwards. That way your little hairs have time to grow back. So it's something you adhere to on your body. Um, and then, of course, so you want to do it after you shave because you don't want to shave all your beautiful spray tan off. So it's more the matter of your pre-pageant regimen when this works. So try it out, see what works best, and go from there. Okay, so last question about the Bold Sunless um, tanning product. Do you actually need to use it with someone else? Like, is it best if you have, in essence, a third party spray it on you while you're standing in the 
typical Leonardo da Vinci drawing where it's like legs spread out, arms spread out, and they're just spraying you down? Or is it something that you do yourself? I mean, what's your suggestion? So I, like I said, I still stand by like spraying it on your hand first before applying. Depending upon your level of flexibility, some people can really touch every single part of their body. Some people are not that flexible. So I would say like if you can do, and you can laugh with me, if you can t- if you can reach your right arm up and cross it behind your back and reach your left arm up and touch hands together behind your back, you probably can do this by yourself. If not, you will want to enlist the help of a friend. Got it. Now, I know that they are running a sale right now. Yes. Um, and then they have just their their one product, their two product, their three product. So tell the listeners where they can get it and kind of just how much this is. Yeah, you can check it out at boldsunlesstans.com. And there is a sale going on. Um, it's there's usually $34 a can of spray and it's only 27. And I think the value goes up the more cans you buy. Um, there's a no orange guarantee. There's no harsh chemicals. It fades off evenly. Um, so just, if you want to check out the website again, it's bold sunless Awesome. Thanks, Jesse. Welcome to the pageant planet podcast, where we help you succeed in pageantry. Now here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome everyone to another podcast. Today, Jesse and myself, we're going to discuss the five tips for finding success after a dry spell. So Jesse, set the stage for us. So Stephen, not all pageants, but many pageants have the opportunity to compete several times in a season. So girls could potentially be having pageants every weekend or every other weekend. And it can be exhausting and really draining if you're competing multiple times a year and you're not winning the crown. So today I want to talk about how you can find success after a dry spell because it can be really disheartening and you you really can start to lose focus because you're so desperate to win that title. It's important to stay on track, stay calm, and we'll talk through each of what I think are the five most important things that will eventually help you achieve the goal. Oh, it's so important. I mean, especially because like dry spells are oftentimes created because of a mental hurdle that we just cannot feel like we can get over. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to this episode. So give us the first tip of the five that you feel like is beneficial for overcoming that dry spell. Well, the most important thing, I think the number one item is something that I live by every day. And Steven, I know you do as well. And it's stay positive. It's really easy to fall into a pity party trap or you're getting down on yourself or you don't think you're good enough. Because again, in pageantry, we always say you're competing against yourself, but also someone else is walking away with your dream. So it's hard. (laughs) It's hard often to really take that to heart and own it and stay true to it. So I get it. So staying positive is so important because that different judges, different day mentality is so, so true. And it might just not have been your panel of judges. And I mean, I can remember girls that were first runner up to state pageants, taking three or four locals to win the next year. And I can't even imagine where their head was at because can you just like the high of being a first runner up to them? Like, what if I don't even get back to the state? pageant. I mean, it's, it's very challenging mentally. So staying positive, focus on the positive improvements you've made and be honest with yourself. And, you know, one thing you hear all the time at the end of a pageant is, oh, 
it should have been you or you were my pick. And people think they're being really helpful and really kind saying that, but I've been there and it can be really easy to say like, well, why wasn't it me then? And you start to feel a little bit of animosity towards the pageant itself versus being constructive. Have you ever experienced anything like that, Stephen? Yeah, like when setting a goal, what I try to do is I focus on the finish line. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm analyzing, did I accomplish the goal or not? I always analyze it based on the starting line. So I might not have achieved the goal, but I see how much progress I've made from the starting line of when I made the goal. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that girls, when they take that approach in pageantry, they oftentimes experience much more success, even if they ultimately don't walk away with the crown that they desire, because what they're focusing on is the journey and not necessarily the specific outcome. Yep. I totally agree with that. And I say, if, if you're having a difficult time finding positivity in this experience, go through the different phases of competition and force yourself to find one thing that you know you improved on from either the start of your pageant career or from the last pageant. So if you know that your closing statement was better this time, like celebrate that, celebrate those small achievements and then know that there's somewhere to build off of from there. So try not to get down on yourself. Don't bog down. Just, it wasn't your time. Move on, but stay focused. Yeah. And those people that are, they really are well-meaning. It says, oh, don't get caught up in people. Like when they're like, oh, it should have been you. And it shouldn't have been whatever. People told my wife that because a lot of people don't know this, but my wife competed in um, USA Massachusetts. She got second runner up, then she got first runner up, and then she aged out. And she even had judges come up to her mm-hmm. and be like, oh, it should have been you. So I know really intimately about like that causes a negative effect versus the positive, but it's just the judges don't know what else to say. <laughs> And, and the, I mean, really, judges should be interacting with the contestants afterwards, especially if it's not like necessarily the winner, but that's a different podcast. Um, but even if you're in the crowd and you see a girl, you can just say, oh, you're beautiful. You did amazing. Like, you should be proud of yourself rather totally. than like, it should have been you. Yeah. Because the girl's like, yeah, totally. It should have been me. That's such uh, good advice, Stephen, to keep it general. Because I can remember competing and like, I wanted to win a swimsuit prelim so bad. And I worked my butt off literally for it. I feel like, oh my gosh, you were so my pick for that prelim award. And I'm like, I know I was my pick. I knew I worked hard. <laughs> and then you start to shift your focus too. Instead of thinking of like the bigger picture and staying on task of what's next ahead of you, you start to dwell. And it's just, it's not a good thing. So like remain uh, self-aware in that moment and just move on. Yeah. And what I do, I always create a story that serves me. (laughs) So I'm like, well, I believe that God has an ultimate plan for my life and I believe that God's ultimately in control. So I'm like, awesome. Well, so what I say for Steven is this is going to have some sort of positive mm-hmm. ripple effect in my life, whether it be tomorrow or five years down the road. But I have to believe that. And that's how I treat my life. And it's worked for me so far. So I'm going to stick to it. Love that. All right. So what's the second of the five tips for finding success after a dry spell? So the second step, I think, is gain feedback. And I think we've talked about this in a prior podcast, but ask every judge you can for feedback and approach them shake their hand, thank them for their time, their dedication to the system, but approach it like a bonus question. So you never want to walk up and say, Hey, like what, how could I get improved? Because you don't know if you don't want to put them on the spot and certain pageants have different rules, but I would just say like, Hey, thank you so much for your time and being here and investing in the system. Would love to hear like where you think I could improved or if you have anything to add, but feel free to connect 
after the pageant. And usually they, before you walk away, they'll offer some feedback if they're allowed to um, by their judge's coordinator. And that way you have a captive audience right there on the spot. They were evaluating you against the other contestants. They saw you perform. So that is probably your most valuable opportunity for feedback. So that's, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And keep in mind that some of the judges have to sign contracts as like, okay, we will not give any feedback to contestant directors do this to protect themselves mm-hmm. because you know, those judges aren't under their employ like employment. So they don't necessarily know what they're going to say. They don't know like <laughs> if they're going to be damning to the organization or not. So they do that to protect themselves. So if a judge says, I'm so sorry, I can't give any feedback, then you know, okay, they basically sign one of that or maybe for whatever reason, they don't feel comfortable with it. Sure. But I, I think by complimenting them and then opening up the conversation, like, do you have any feedback? And if they're like, no, say, okay, great. And go on to the next judge mm-hmm. um, or to the other people that you're going to suggest a little bit later on. For sure. And, you know, some judges may come right out and provide you with feedback without you even having to ask. It's just up to the person, up to the experience. But um, someone else that a lot of people don't take advantage of asking is the pageant director, because often they either have someone sitting on the interviews or they themselves are sitting in on the interviews. And what are they losing if they provide you with feedback and they're seeing the scores and not that I'm not saying the pageant directors are going to give you scores if the pageant doesn't traditionally give them out, but they also see them and they're people and they can be swayed of their opinion of you based on those scores. So it doesn't hurt to reach out to that pageant director and say, I had an amazing, amazing, amazing experience with your pageant would love to grow and improve. I know you've been involved in the industry for a long time. And now that you've seen me perform, I would love to hear your thoughts if you're open to it. And again, always give someone the out. That way they don't feel on the spot. They don't feel pressured to have to have something to say to you. But past directors have a wealth of knowledge to offer, and they've seen you in that state, in that presence of competing. So that's definitely an opportunity that you don't want to pass up. Yeah, and they know what what succeeds in their organization. Mm -hmm. For example, if it's a if it's a local Miss America director, they know what succeeds at the state level or the national level, et cetera. So it's trusted advice. And at the end of the day, we've talked about this again in previous podcasts, but directors in essence work for you. For some reason, pageantry, it's it, it, the game is a little bit twisted in the fact that girls feel like they work for the director. But at the end of the day, you're giving your director money to compete in their pageant. So in essence, you're the customer. And in any other scenario... Like you feel like you have certain rights as a customer and pageantry is no different. Mm -hmm. And so I want to empower you to say, yeah, you're the customer in this situation. You can approach the person whom you're giving money and say, what feedback do you have? Like (laughs) zero judgment. If you don't feel like you have any Mm -hmm. or anything like that, no pressure, but what feedback do you have? So I I love that. And I love the fact that you said, give them a way out. Yeah. Okay. And any other like tips, advice that you have about the gaining or gain feedback? Yeah, I have a couple. So um, one thing I would caution you is, I know this is tempting because pageantry is in very many ways a family, right? You you start to get to know people and you want to be able to trust and get to know other women that are competing with you or men that are competing with you. And you are tempted to ask them for their feedback or to take their feedback. And I would just caution you to take it with a grain of salt um, for the simple fact of, you never know how competitive they are or if they have motives of their own, whatever, because as well-meaning as you want to be and as, as open as you are to feedback, just keep that in mind. So I would caution you from 
of, and I certainly you can hear feedback from these people, but just keep it in a cautious place. Uh, and then the other, I think the most important feedback you have of all is the feedback that you see in yourself. So um, a small story, I was give, competing in a string of Miss America locals, I think, gosh, I think it was like 18 years old. And I had word vomit for like five continuous local. And I was chronic first runner up that season. Like I know if I didn't blow my onstage question, I probably would have competed at the state pageant that year. And that was one thing that in the five years that I didn't compete again, because I kind of didn't compete for a while. I fell off the face of the pageant earth. And when I knew I was going to compete again, that was my focus was I was going to turn my weakness into my strength. So if you are hyper aware that there is an area that you know that you are faltering in, you have to be able to be self-aware enough to own that, but put yourself in the position and pathway to success and we'll get there next um, for number three. But be open with yourself and, and don't try to cloud your judgment because your family is going to be telling you that you are so amazing and that you should have won and that you are the best contestant, but you have to be honest and you have to be able to see where you can improve. Yeah. And so I had to learn this. You hire consultants, you ask opinions mm -hmm. and, and Jesse, you just alluded to this, which is why I'm bringing it up. But if someone gives you advice that doesn't connect with you, what if you're a spiritual person, if it doesn't connect with your spirit, or if it doesn't connect with your logic, or if it doesn't connect with your gut instinct, then just put it on the shelf. Mm -hmm. And like, if someone tells me something, and I'm like, Oh, I feel like there's truth to that, then that's great. But if someone says something that just I don't connect with, I don't take it. And I just put it up. And that's part of like learning yourself. And as part of just your own journey into adulthood, into a maturity, into you really being truly the queen that you're destined to be. So ask people for advice, but at the same time, filter their advice to like what really connects with you and then what doesn't. And can you think of a time where feedback really kind of changed? Like, And, and the flip side here, you got a, a valuable nugget of feedback that kind of changed the course for you. Yeah, I can. And one of those feedback was from a man I really, um, I really looked up to, I admired. And he said in a very candid moment, he said, do you realize how many times you, in a day or in a sentence that you say can't, or I'm going to try or you use but? He said, do you realize that all of those are excuses that are holding you back from your true purpose? And when he said that, that hit me because I could look back over our relationship and I could see one, he's amassed millions of dollars and two, he never used those words. He would only use like, yes, I will do that or no, I'm not willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Like he wouldn't, like, he wouldn't use like, Oh, I'll try to do that or I can't do that. He didn't ever say those. So in that moment, we then created a structure to where I would start to learn how to, um, watch the words that's coming out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. And even today, I think about those times when I'm talking to either like my staff or even you or like or my wife and I use those words, oh, I'll try and I shake my head and like, no, I will do, <laughs> I'll do it or I won't. So yeah, I, I totally remember that time. Mm -hmm. Have you read The Four Agreements? You know, I haven't. That's one of the books I've 
you're probably like the tenth person that's recommended. I have not read it, but to tell me your experience with no, it. No, it's it's a it's a really quick hitting book. Um, I keep it like handy often because I find myself breaking the agreements rather often, but we're all works in progress, right? But I just thought of that in particular because one of the agreements is owning your word. And um, I love that you were able to recognize that just because of someone's feedback. So everyone out there, it's called The Four Agreements. It's a really quick hitting. I wouldn't call it a self-help book. It's more of a self-evaluation where you can kind of see in your life how these promises and agreements with yourself will improve the different facets. But again, if you don't nail it on the first time, you're in good company. We'll all get through it together. But it's a it's a great read. It's something great to have on hand. Yeah. And I can actually remember for this particular gentleman, he didn't need the money. But every time I said the word try, I had to give him $1. Every time I said the word can't, I had to give him $5. Oh, boy. And it was a self-evaluation thing. And I literally paid him hundreds of dollars. So <laughs> I've learned my <laughs> and am still learning my lesson. Um, okay, point number three out of point five. Yeah, so I already hinted at this one. And number three is that evaluate the feedback slash finding your next step. So you've collected all the feedback from the judges, from the pageant directors, from other trusted members of the pageant community, and now it's time to evaluate it. So like I said before, and like Steven mentioned, you want to take the advice with a grain of salt, but you do also want to absorb it like a sponge. You just want to take it all in and try to make sense of it in your mind. Or you can write it all down. That's an even better way to do it. If you see it in on pen and parchment, as you say, Stephen, um, that will be helpful. So one thing I like to do when I'm collecting feedback and I'm trying to improve is I look at the common positives that I heard. So was my styling phenomenal? Like, did my hair and makeup look the best it's ever looked to the last pageant? Great. So I can check that off the list. Or did I look like a baby giraffe walking in tippy tops? Um, and based on those, I can kind of sort out, okay, where are the positives? Where are the consistent points of improvement? And that's where I need to hone in. So hone in on the consistent items that were mentioned across the board that need improvement. Or maybe you got all positive feedback and you're like, oh my goodness, well, where the heck am I going to improve? Yes, but break that down even further. Like we said, were all the positive comments about the way you looked or the way you walked or like find where the holes are in those positive comments. Because if so, people are only giving you positive, they probably just don't feel comfortable sharing with you the negative. So you have to find the holes in the feedback yourself. So it's very important. And maybe it is the right choice to write it all down so you see it all in front of you. But like that's a great way to map out the feedback, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, and if there's an opportunity to basically buy the video, definitely invest in that because it is cringeworthy to watch yourself mm -hmm. on stage or even for you and I to listen to ourselves on podcasts. You can pull out certain things though when you're truly authentic to yourself that no other consultant or friend would probably dare say mm -hmm. um, by watching yourself, listening to yourself. I don't know about you, Jesse, but when I go back and listen to these podcasts, I even find oh my gosh, why do I keep repeating those that same phraseology or that same word? Mm -hmm. And it just gets on my nerves. I'm like, there it is again. I start counting on it. Yeah. I start counting it and then I don't even like listen to what else I'm saying. So um, it, it's really important, uh, as you said, to evaluate those feedbacks and, 
and uh, look at your next steps. Yeah, even your photo package from your pageant can go a long way. I can remember like hitting certain poses on stage and thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm really nailing it. And then I looked back at the photos and I was like, what <laughs> am I doing? And unfortunately I aged out of that particular system so I didn't have a chance to redeem myself, but in the long run, I think I did. Um, but yeah. yeah, whenever you can have an opportunity to actually watch it back is a, oh my gosh, it's such a tremendous, opportunity of improvement. Um, so beyond that, now you've mapped it all out. And the next step is, of course, seeking help. So okay. depending upon your budget, of course, find a coach or a trusted pageant community member um, and, and have them work with you on those areas of improvement. Um, I do want to mention one word of caution. And Remember that just because someone was successful in a pageant doesn't make them a great coach or just because they worked with all the best coaches doesn't mean that they can coach you. Um, and I say that because I've seen a lot of contestants offering advice to people that I've then worked with afterwards and I'll ask them why they do things a certain way or, or what drove them to those decisions and they'll they'll share with me that they were working with um a contestant of sorts that's not necessarily a coach. Um, but again, just because that they were successful doesn't make them a great coach because a great coach recognizes your personal strengths instead of trying to persuade you to go in avenues that they were taking because it was great advice when it came to them. I'm sure it was phenomenal advice, but what works for one doesn't work for the other always. Oh, that is so valuable. I mean, if you're hiring a coach that um, has zero track record, ask us. Don't waste your money. <laughs> it's like, like, ask us. Like, if we know of anybody that's worked with this particular coach, we have our pageant nominations where people literally nominate hundreds and sometimes thousands of people per category. So, ask us, like, we'll be able to quickly just do a quick Google search mm -hmm. to see if anybody's ever even nominated this person for an award. Um, also read reviews on pageant planet. If they don't even have a profile on our directory, which is free to do and that people can like review them and look at their services, chances are they're not really serious about their coaching business or, I mean, if they are, they're just starting and they're just, they don't know how to connect in the industry. So use those things as resources. I mean, again, don't use your money to trial and error. Use the tools that are already in place inside of our industry and in, on the internet to really do your own research before you, before you hire someone. I, I just hate the getting the sob stories of, Oh, I wasted my money to find out that this person didn't know anything. And because you not only waste money on the coaching costs, but then you also waste money on the actual pageant entry fees um, because that's the pageant that you followed that particular mm -hmm. coach's advice. For sure. Well, and you know, I, I will play devil's advocate for one moment here too, because at one point I wasn't a coach. I was just a contestant that was obsessed with the pageant industry for a decade and somebody eventually trusted me with themselves and they had success right out of the gate. So I was able to develop that credibility quickly, but someone believed in me and gave me a shot. So I will say, if you are struggling with budget and you can't afford the pageant coaches that you hear are legendary, what I would say then is if you wanna believe in a coach that's just getting their start, they don't have a profile on Pageant Planet, use them, 
but have a cross reference point. So maybe use a couple of different people and see how your advice from them is being received across the board. Don't just blindly follow, um, be able to kind of mitigate the risk because they might be like directing you on a path that's just not working. And before you get to the pageant, it would be really great if someone could say, hold on, I'm not quite sure if this is the right choice for you or be able to raise that red flag. But you never know, maybe you'll find the next great pageant coach and they will give you a deal for believing in them, just like I did for my people that believed in me. And so just, you never know, but mitigate your risk. That's great. Okay, so what's point number four uh, to finding success after a dry spell? Yeah, so tip number four is staying true to yourself. And I see it all the time where after a dry spell, you're desperate to win, right? You need to win that crown. You've got to get over the hump and take home the title. So what I see happening a lot, Stephen, is contestants will start conforming to what they're seeing as successful. And my advice is don't, um, I guess is the, the simple way to say that. So if you are a glitzy girl and you love sparkles and stones and jewels, but you've seen the last three pageants you've done where you've been a runner up, those three girls had really simple gowns. That doesn't mean that you should go buy a simple gown if it's not your personality. It just means that one, maybe there's another area of competition that's holding you back and it's not your evening gown, not the fact that you have a non-plain evening gown, or maybe the evening gown itself needs some improvement. Um, I can think of one time in particular, one girl was totally this, she, her talent was hip hop and she nailed it. And she was an amazing performer, but she wasn't winning. And then three girls in a row had like an older, like Motown type feel song choice, different types of dance and that one consistently. So wouldn't you know the next pageant out, she had a Motown song and it just didn't, you could see it in her performance that she wasn't connected to the piece. And it broke my heart because you never want to see someone get so downtrodden that they veer away from the course. So It's so easy to fall into that mold or to try to fit yourself into that mold. And I just can't caution you enough. Stay the course, trust your brand. And if you're not honoring your brand, I guess my my question is like, you just have to have more self-esteem and more confidence building between these pageants. Yeah. And also like another example of that is Jamaica at the Miss Universe pageant. Mm -hmm. I mean, she owned her natural hair. And I even feel like her dress, I mean, it was a yellow dress and she was a dark skinned woman and the yellow dress really, for me, it like emulated the Jamaican culture. I mean, it was like very vibrant in color and all that. And when she was on stage, she was very fun. She was flirty. She was all those things. And it really translated really nicely for her. If she would have tried to downplay and have like long flowing pageant hair like everyone else, and like a more of a like a structured gown like everyone else, I do not feel like she would have placed as well. I feel like the judges really appreciated in this mm-hmm. particular instance her uniqueness and rewarded her for it. And I might be dating myself here, but when obviously I've said it several times on this podcast, I adore Shandy Finnessy, Miss USA, I think 2001, maybe. She's one of my favorite Miss USAs of all time. And she wore the Shandy gown. And Steve, I don't know if you remember it. It was the, the illusion top with the bottom was champagne skirt with the turquoise underskirt and it like just flowed so beautifully. So after Shandy won in that gown, every major prom retailer made that gown in their own variation. And you saw it 
on every pageant stage from here to Timbuktu for years afterwards. And it just didn't work. I mean, Shandy, like that was the Shandy gown. You saw it and you knew it was the Shandy gown. And just because it worked for Shandy, who was six foot two and like this blonde goddess doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. So like, don't mimic just because you think it will work. Find what works for you. And that's what's really going to make sense to the judges. The judges, and I say it all the time, judges have to trust that they are seeing the true version of who you are. They're people. They're not dumb. They see right through the, if you're falsifying who you are, they will see it and it will, it'll be reflected in your scores. Agreed. Okay. So what's the fifth tip to finding success after experiencing a dry spell? So this is the hardest tip I think to talk through with people who are going through a dry spell and it's try another system. And perhaps this is a sign if you're not getting to the, the Emerald city on this yellow brick road of this system, maybe it's either time to shake things up or it's not the right system for you. So, uh, I mean, you see it all the time. There are different phases in pageantry that some people are just not made for me talent, totally not made for talent, do not have a conventional talent, but I, I tried really hard to make it work. And the reality is it was never going to work for me. So instead I evaluated my strengths and I found a system that worked for me and boom, the rest is history. And I I know it's hard. Some people have those dreams. They want to be Miss USA or they want to be Miss America just because they watched it on TV growing up and they are the most notable of all the pageants. So it's hard to give up on that goal and do something else. But I will say, you don't have to give up on that goal. This dry spell may give you an opportunity to try another system for a couple reasons. One, if you're going into the same routine every time you're competing, you can sometimes get flat because you're getting complacent. You know what to expect. It's the same type of competition, the same type of scoring. So if you enter this new pageant, this new system, it will force you to step outside your comfort zone. It will force you to reinvent kind of your competitive spirit because this is the unknown. Your adrenaline will be pumping and it's just an opportunity for you to really see what you're made of. And who knows, maybe you'll love that system, maybe you'll win that system, or maybe you'll learn something and you can go back and compete somewhere else. So it's just invaluable experience. Pageantry is one of those things that the more you do it, the better you do get. Um, of course, you have people like, um, who the heck? So Teresa Scan won Miss America yeah. on her first time out. Olivia Culpo won Miss Universe. Like she went to the first day pageant, she went to the national pageant, she went to Miss Universe. You have people that are like just talented at things and you just envy them forever. Right. And they're just so great at everything. But <laughs> those people are very few and far between. So it is that experience that you will gain from competing several times and just push yourself. And, and, you know, you just, you never know what's hiding around the corner for you when that opportunity might strike, but miss USA, I think, what is the age division? What 19 and 27, Steven? They just expanded it. They did? I, yeah. I, well, I mean, when the um oh yeah twenty eight the, the new company yeah so I think it was twenty eight that they expanded it to but I I don't remember if it was they expanded twenty seven or twenty eight but it was one of those it was yeah. twenty eight so or twenty seven so I think they did expand it twenty eight you just refreshed my memory that's a long time you guys to compete in one system and you never know like what when your year might be but it wouldn't hurt to try something else because what if you win a national title. Can you imagine the invaluable experience you will gain being a national title holder for a year? 
And then when you go back to a state pageant, you'll you'll have seen so many new things. You'll have tried different experiences. You'll have more life experience to talk about in your interview. I mean, it's a long time. Don't be afraid to shake things up. Don't be afraid to push the boundaries. And don't be afraid of that personal growth because it's possible. Yeah, and I, I want to encourage, and, and actually I found out, uh, I was talking to Teresa, I think it was last week or so, and I found out that she had competed several times in Miss America Outstanding Team mm. before she even started in the Miss America route. And that's not common knowledge. And even before then, she competed in National American Miss. And I, I wasn't I wasn't aware of that. You know, so also the people that you're looking up to, like maybe they competed a lot more than what you even thought. Mm, because sure. in life, all the different things that we experience, it comes with a learning curve. And I can just say with myself, what what I do is when I've exhausted every area of improvement that I can think of, then I start thinking, okay, maybe that I need to rethink, is this for me, period? And is this for me, period? Is like, is this a system for me? Mm-hmm. Um, so you've seen that several times within our organization. It's like, all right, just maybe we're just doing it wrong. Like, let's just close it off and do a whole new, different direction. So, you know, if your ultimate goal is to win a national title, you have to be open and strategic about it. If your ultimate goal is just to win a state title, I mean, that's a different strategy session. So just being realistic with yourself, with your talents, and what the system's looking for uh, can make a world of difference. For sure. And, you know, in, so in closing, if I can transition it in closing, don't give up. And I, I will give a concrete example for those of you that are listening and are like, easier said than done, right? We had a VIP contestant come to us and she had competed at a state pageant and she did not place at all. And she worked with us and she had such great faith in us and we could see her improving. She could see herself improving. And she competed in six locals that year. The first five, she was consistent runner up and she was, she was clearly getting frustrated, but she wasn't losing hope. She knew she was improving and she knew the time was going to come and she just had that faith. And then sure enough, that sixth time out and we said, maybe it was meant to be for you to get all of this experience to hit this point. And sure enough, she went from not placing at all in the top 10 to being first runner up that year by a matter of points. She could have been the state title holder. So the end of the dry spell will come, whether it's within your system or whether it's not. But the focus, if you keep trying, you will keep improving because that experience is so invaluable and it will show you, I think, in more ways that if you just kind of get lucky and went on the first try, where your strengths and weaknesses are and will provide you a better outline and blueprint for how to move forward. That's great. So Jesse, if they want to learn more about you and how they can work with you, how can they do that? They can do that by visiting pageantplanet.com backslash coaching. And there are several opportunities. If you just need a pep talk, if you are in a dry spell yourself, book a book a one-on-one appointment. We'll get you out of that funk and see where we can help you improve. And then there's also, as always, VIP memberships that are monthly opportunities. Awesome. Thanks, Jesse. Want to ask your questions to the title holders and professionals we interview? Become a VIP girl today and get unlimited coaching from the pageant planet. Plus, ask as many questions as you'd like for only $47.